Hello and welcome back to part two of our episode with Tiffany Carlson. Tiffany, so glad to have you again here. Um, last episode, uh, we actually had you sharing and talking about the challenges and your injury and and really kind of how you how you came to grow into your 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 bot your own um, and and kind of your situation. Um, and I think really we'd like to kind of jump back into it and talk a little bit more about. Uh, what you've gotten up to over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years um, in in the SCI community. So uh, I guess as a point to start, um, when when do you feel like everything started to improve where the the there were more positives than negatives, as I as I would say it in, in your life, even even with the injury where you were just clicking on all cylinders? Well, I would say when I when I made it to school, college, you know, I really enjoyed going to college. And that was definitely a new chapter, I would say, for sure. You know, going there and living independently on my own and figuring out caregivers and making it work and, you know, dating and learning how to use public transportation and live like what was like what I thought was pretty a cool life. I was pretty happy, you know, finally. And that's definitely when things started to get better for sure. Were there any crazy situations that, that you ran into that you look back now and just make you laugh? Uh, things, things that you encountered or dealt with? What kind of crazy situations do you, uh, you know, as you As you got a chance to get out to college and experience things, um, you know, Oh, like a crazy college story. <laughs> <laughs> whatever's whatever's okay for the podcast. That, I can totally <laughs> We're pretty much open. Um, well, Augsburg is definitely not known for being a party school, but um, we're kind of nerds there, mm. really. Um, but, you know, for sure for me, though, I will say, you know, when I was in school there, I met this, I had my first internet boyfriend who was in Texas, oh, wow. and I dated him for two years, wow. and he worked. And so we would fly back and forth to see one another. And I was very cool. This was before 9-11. So flying was so easy. And then when in a wheelchair, I would like show up to the gate and my dad could like, bring me to the gate and they would carry me on the airplane. And they would be like, all right, you can go first class because you're by yourself. I'm like, yeah, upgrade, free upgrade. <laughs> Flying was way good, like pre to, oh, I just missed those days, but it was really a good time. I had so much fun, you know, traveling on my own and just like, yeah, and that was definitely fun. You know, I'm like, bye everybody. I have a better guy and he's not on this campus, losers, I'm out of here. So that's kind of what I would do for a couple of years. Unfortunately, you know, like most college relationships, that one did not last, but that was definitely fun for me to like go to school and then travel to Texas and go to school and travel to Texas a lot. It was cool. Do you travel a lot? Still today? Um, I try, you know, with COVID, I haven't really done a lot um, to speak of. I went to Las Vegas last wow. year, which I don't re recommend going to Las Vegas in July. That was really <laughs> a stupid idea. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love to travel. And I will say I traveled a ton after college. So I was I was like from like right after college until like my mid 20s. I traveled like all around the country with 
Um, and we were in a, I was like, we like road trip. So I went to New York city. We went to Seattle. We went up to Toronto. I drove down to New Orleans, all in my handicap, my minivan with this guy. I was dating for many years, my twenties. And we had a blast just driving everywhere. And it was great. And I kind of missed those days. I won't lie. Just traveling all the time and being a freelance writer and just kind of, you know, doing my thing. That was a good time for sure. And, you know, Traveling, I think for me, is one of the things that makes me happy, yeah. like really happy as a person. I think just, I don't know, with the spinal cord injury, maybe, you know, there's a lot of like lack of sensation that happens, you know, when you're paralyzed, you know, obviously there's a lot you can't feel. I like to eat. I'm not fat, luckily, but I watch my weight, but I love food. And I love traveling this, like that, that whole experience when you get off the airplane and you kind of are somewhere in here yeah. and you get like that little high, like high that I live for. And I love that. And I kind of miss it. I've been wanting to travel recently. But yeah, I definitely want to go overseas. I have some, you know, things I haven't traveled to. I've only been really in the United States and went on one cruise, went to Canada, but I'd love in Mexico, but I would love to go to a lot of places. And you know, and I, I love following wheelchair travel people. Oh, my God, there's so many amazing people traveling in wheelchairs all around the world that I'm like, well, I can definitely do these international things, but it takes a lot of planning. Totally. And I don't. Yeah. And right now, it's not a good time to fly right, right. now. I'm not too excited about well, traveling. Well, so that kind of that leads me to a question of uh, in, in your experience from from when you first got injured to today, has um, accessibility gotten better for people when they're traveling, when you're in a new place or a new environment? Would you say that the majority of places have taken into account people in wheelchairs or are there still a lot of people who are way in the dark on, on you know, allowing you to get where you need to go? Well, there's always been curb cuts, thankfully, way back in the 90s. So I was always able to get around all the cities I've traveled to in the United States. I. New York City, when I was there in 2011, like two months before 9-11, actually, I was like, this city wasn't too inaccessible even. I don't remember not really being able to get around. But I, but one thing that I will say that's really changed, which I'm so excited to see, are all the beach wheelchairs that are everywhere mm. now. It's crazy. Like, I would have loved that if I, when I was traveling back in my 20s. You can go to San Diego. You can go to, like, Florida. Anywhere on the coast, any any coast anywhere in the United States, there's probably a beach wheelchair you can rent. Even in like Minnesota now, on some lakes, it's amazing. There's power beach wheelchairs, manual beach power wheelchairs. beach wheelchairs, beach wheelchairs like old water. Sounds they like have mats buggy. now, so you can post <laughs> It's crazy. I'm like, wow, beach accessibility has exploded like crazily, and that's one of the that's biggest crazy. changes I've noticed. If you're into like beach travel as a wheelchair, yeah, either. you don't have to cry anymore about not being able to use the beach or go on the beach because it's like really, really possible and there's free power beach wheelchair rentals in miami which i haven't done yet it's on my bucket list you can just show up to any lifeguard station and say is the power beach you know chair rent available for and they'll be like, oh yeah i'll show you and they'll just go grab it and bring it out for you and you can use it for two hours for free that's incredible like that I'm going to do that. Didn't even know that. All right. So you'll be in Miami is what I hear. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm in Miami too. Yeah. I have a lot of plans. And as my fiance likes to say, yeah, well, you have a lot of plans. Let's see how many we're going to get done this year. Okay. But I have a list. I have a long that's list. That's good. That's a good list. <laughs> hey, Tiffany, you talked to you. Yeah. You, oh, I, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to go ahead and finish. And then I'll no, I just would. I would love to hopefully one day to go to South Korea, which is a whole other topic that I'll talk about it with you guys if you want to, because I'm kind of obsessed with South Korea right wow. now, but I'm kind of weird. Um, you, well, you mm -hmm. talked about when you were uh, right out of college, traveling a lot around in your van, 
Very 60s story, by the way. Um, but you, uh, as a freelance writer. Early 2000s. Writer, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, early 2000s. Uh, but you talk about being a freelance writer and, and that, that sort of moved into your career. Could you just talk a little bit about that job and then maybe? Um, sure. That was definitely a fun thing for me because, you know, when I was in college, I was going to do business communications because that's like, I'm going to do this. This is going to be a good career. I can work at General Mills and be a business communicator. That's going to be a good job for me, I think. Yeah. So then like around, I don't know, a year or two before I graduated from my college, I got an email from a website, halftheplanet.com, a New York City disability magazine that I had just launched. This was like 1998. They are like, hello, we like your website, Beauty Ability. Would you like to write for us? Wow. Wow. I was like, what? And then, and then they said, uh, we, we will pay you a dollar a word. They, they actually told me a dollar a word. I was like, are you kidding me? What is this? I'm not even, I don't know who are these people. This is not real. Yeah. This is not real. For sure it's not real. And then I, I was like, it was real. And they have the planet.com. And, and the story goes, the website lasted for about two years and um, they had to close down during that whole internet crash way back in the day. Mm -hmm. But the founder called it Half the Planet because he had a daughter with a disability. And he's like, Half the Planet is either affected by someone with a disability or knows someone with a disability or has a disability. Like, Half the Planet is not disability exempt from being, you know, affected by it somehow, yeah. you know? Just that was a cool concept. And so I wrote for them. And I remember my first articles for them were like, you know, very positive wheelchair articles, how to live life in a wheelchair. And I remember they would be like, too many exclamation points, <laughs> Tiffany. You need to edit. <laughs> so it was a fun thing. But then I was like, wow, I can make a living. Well, a freelance writer living, which isn't great, but dollar I can a do word this I'm, instead of I'm, I, I was just thinking your articles were eight, page, long. eight pages <laughs> long, and that's why they went out of business. <laughs> oh, believe me, they limit they limit the word count for sure. <laughs> They're like, yeah, maybe no more than five hundred words, okay? And so, yeah, but they had money to spend. This was like money, money internet days where they were just throwing money at people. Like nineteen ninety nine, it was a good time to write on the internet, and then. Unfortunately, though, so I made the, the switch to just mass communications, like, uh, like a degree. So I did that. And then I graduated and then I was at home and then 9-11 happened. And I wasn't really sure, like, where I was going to work because, you know, there wasn't no one really hiring after 9-11 for, like, you know, a lot of communications jobs. And then, like, I, I was trying to work at, like, a magazines in town. And it wasn't I didn't really know how to get my foot in yeah. the door, so to speak. You know what I mean? I'm like, how am I going to do this? Because I didn't have my, my my online writing experience at the time was not enough to get a job, by the way, because no one respected Internet writing back then. Mm. It was just stupid. So it was like there was no even like companies. I don't feel like there was a ton. Well, there was some, but it was not like a big advertising media machine as writing on the Internet is today, where it's pretty much the Internet. Um, you know, you can go online to a newspaper, let's say, and that's just as popular as the print version. And that definitely was not the case. 20 years ago. So my online writing, I, I was like, oh no, what's going to happen? So I was a little bit nervous, but then I start, you know, I use my website, Beauty Ability, as like my online resume. So I started thinking kind of outside the box. So I was like, you know what, let me start writing to other disability websites and magazines because half the planet ended up closing. And so I didn't have that job mm -hmm. anymore. So I knew about new, but I don't know if you guys know about new mobility magazine and they're a pretty cool magazine you know and they are like the, they're one of the largest disability print magazines in the united states and i loved reading them when i was in 
at the Courage Center because they would have stacks of them. And they would have like ads with like cute girls and like showing like how, you know, selling wheelchairs. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I like very like- Is it like, still around? Yeah, absolutely. New Mobility Magazine, they're huge. And I wrote for them for 13 years. Wow. Oh, wow. And I had a couple, and I had a column in their magazine and it was called Spinal Cord Injury Life. And that didn't happen overnight though, because what I, I was like, how can I write for this magazine? You know, they have a lot of writers. And so I wrote them an email and I was like, can I write an article for you guys about Darcy Pollan from WCCO in oh, Minnesota? Yeah. She's this quadriplegic yeah. news reporter yeah. who's really inspired me. And I loved, like, really, I was, I thought she was great. And still to this day, there's not a lot of news reporters on air that are in a wheelchair. And totally. so, of course, they were like, sure, write the article, which I did. Yeah. And they put it in the magazine. And then after that, I wrote a couple more articles. And then um, I had a, a, an opening for their columnist job. And I was lucky they offered it to me. And I still, I don't know how I got so lucky because there's a lot of people out there, you know? Yeah. So I was really you're good. blessed to do That's that job. Why. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got, a, you've got a perspective that they can't just go out That's and right. find, especially if you have the talent and the you know, the ability to kind of share stories in a unique and honest way. I think that all of that tied together, I, I can completely see how they would give you that column. Yeah, yeah, and it was really great. And I got to meet a lot of people who are paralyzed and writing articles about other paralyzed people for 13 years. So I got to know like everybody, I feel like in the United States, <laughs> I never got to meet Chris Faree, but I, I, I was like, five feet away from Dana Rave once when I went to a United Spinal event. But yeah, it was a really cool opportunity to kind of, you know, put my, you know, to really, you know, work my way into the spinal cord injury community and which I'm still doing now. And as you know, but the, the freelance writing was also, you know, fun because I was writing some articles that were even outside the disability world and just doing some, trying to make some money. And I figured out ways to like make like write for credit cards, like a credit card review site. And I made a bunch of money doing oh, wow. that. And, you know, you just kind of figure out how to make money online. And so I kind of was doing that for a long time, just figuring out gigs here and there, writing for new mobility. And then in the, uh, like about 10 years ago, um, you know, I'm writing, well, have you guys, you want to talk about Spinalpedia? We can yeah, do, yeah, that. I, do that. Uh, let's talk about that and the, the podcast that you've got going on there and, and things like in, in that neck of the woods, I guess more recent stuff what are you doing now and and how how did you end up there well i introduced myself as the executive director of spinalpedia as you said early in the podcast and you know um yeah it's a really that's another amazing job that i have and i still don't know how i got so lucky to have this job because you know josh basil is the founder and he's a quadriplegic as well and he broke his neck in a beach accident when he was in college and a wave um, kind of picked him up and slammed him down and he broke his neck mm. um, that way oh, wow. when he was like, in his 20s. And so um, he decided though to go to school and become a lawyer after his injury. And so he founded Spinalpedia, which is the organization that I help him run because he's busy with his other work. And you know, Spinalpedia was like his baby. His family started this, you know, it was a way to raise awareness of spinal cord injuries, to raise money for research was our initial was the initial part of it, and then also to help inform people with new injuries about everything that's available, so they can kind of go back home and live the best life possible. So um, there's a lot going on with his organization, and so I work for them now every day from home. And 
but we do some, you know, in-person stuff where we'll do like adaptive, like indoor skydiving oh, or cool. adaptive paintball or adaptive downhill skiing um, and sit skis in Colorado, which we did a few years ago, which was one of the greatest things I've ever done. And I cannot wait to go back to Colorado to do sit skiing because that is really one of the coolest sports because when you're in the sit ski and you're going down the mountain and you have that perspective of, you know, it's very similar to what it was like before when I would ski on my legs. Yeah. And so when I, when I was like, this is really fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's why sit skiing is so popular, like in the wheelchair community, wheelchair user community, because people love it. And so it's really, really cool. And so I now do it on a regular basis in Minnesota. I go to Trollhagen. And yeah, it's great. <laughs> well, I, I will say uh, right after the Olympics ended this past, uh, was it winter Olympics this year? No, summer, summer. I don't know if the COVID it sort was, of stacked uh, them no. on top of each Whatever other, the most recent Olympics was. Winter. The winter, winter. Olympics just yeah, ended. Yeah, COVID kind of confuses yeah. my time frame in my head. But uh, the week after is usually when they do the Paralympic Games. And I remember sitting there and I, I ended up watching a ton of Paralympic sports. I watched a lot of the Paralympic men's hockey tournament. Yeah. And it is yeah. unbelievable to watch these people play sports. And like yeah. they are yeah. playing at a very high level with with no legs. Yep. And it is incredible. Yeah. yeah, it is incredible because they still have their legs. And many of them do. And they're heavy. And even if they don't have their legs, it's still incredibly difficult because the sled is heavy. Yeah. And you're using all of her, your all upper body, you know? It's not like you have your legs to push you. So it's incredible to watch those guys and women do sled hockey. I love watching it too. Sled hockey is great. Unfortunately, we didn't win the gold this year, I though. Know. <laughs> I know. But yeah, one of the greatest sports ever. A lot of veterans love sled hockey. Um, it's just a really great community too to like get a part of. I think the people that join those teams, like it's like life changing. It's just great for those people that have a sport that's actually really, really fun and competitive and to like get into. And then you meet all these guys that can like give you a bunch of life advice. It's like a really, really cool, really cool thing. Totally. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't done a team sport myself, but I can see why people do it. Hey, Tiffany, you talked about self-help videos. Can you just talk a little bit more about the work you're doing there? for the injured? Ah, videos. Well, myself, I don't make that many, even though I might start doing some more. But, you know, the videos, are you talking about how we share them on Spinalpedia? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, Spinalpedia, one of the biggest things that we love to do is have a, our, like, video kind of, like, it's huge. So what we do is we go on um, YouTube and we organize all the disabled disability videos that we think are really good. And we kind of separate them. If they're injured with uh, paralysis, we'll get their uh, injury level and we'll put that right in the description of the video. So when you go on our site, you can find, let's say, a, uh, a video pertaining to your level of injury, not just a wheelchair uh, transfer video. You can find a wheelchair transfer video for someone that, you know, doesn't have any arm movement, let's say, and you have a full transfer. So the, you can really cater the searching that way. And that was my boss's idea. That was one of the first things he thought would really help the community. And I, I do believe it does because you obviously you can go on YouTube and you can search whatever you want to, but sometimes, it, you know, you're, people aren't always good at searching. No. So we've just done a, a kind of an easier way to do it for people that do need help. And it's really fun. I just, I'm amazed, first of all, at all the videos that people create. It's really helpful, way more than, I would say you can go to your rehab and go through your PT and OT 
you should, but one of the best things you can do is go online and watch videos because people who have gone through it are going to be able to teach you so much yeah. through these videos. It's really fun from like how to do your laundry in a wheelchair, how to cook, how to pull your pants on, how to put a bra on if you're a quadriplegic. Like there are so many different videos out there right now. It's really great. That's where I learn everything now on YouTube. Yeah, honestly, I just built a deck in my backyard from YouTube University, basically. Well, there you go. Right? There you go. <laughs> Exactly. And everyone, what, whatever you're into, we all know YouTube has it. And, and definitely it's really big for people who are paralyzed, too. There's so many um, people sharing their lives. It's, it's great. So. Awesome. awesome. Well, I guess last but not least, why don't we talk about your podcast? Um, kind of what, what oh, you've been doing yeah. with is it called Life After Paralysis? Yes, it is. So on Spinalpedia, out of all the other stuff that we do, we have a podcast that we I, that we started like a few years ago, and it's pretty cool. We do it once a month, and I interview people who are paralyzed, and, and sometimes we did interview a researcher once, but Dr. Rampart too, actually. But um, but yeah, we we love to just talk about people's lives and whether it's about you know camping or you know I just interviewed a guy who had arm contractures mm -hmm. from being paralyzed mm -hmm. for like a really long time and he didn't do his arm stretches and they got kind of stuck so he had to get surgery about earlier this year to get his arms back out and you know reclaim his arms the way they should and he was really cool to talk to so we're kind of trying you know. Talk about stories that you're not going to see. Obviously, that's what podcasts do. We we talk about stuff that you're not going to see on mainstream media, and so that's what I love to do. And you know, I've been doing podcasts for a long time. Like about ten years ago, I was doing a podcast called No Free Rides, like because people would always ask me, "Hey, can I have a free ride in my wheelchair?" Oh. And I'm like, "No, you can't have a free ride." So I named my podcast No Free Rides. I thought that was very creative. That is creative. I like it. <laughs> you yeah and unfortunately that podcast died um so but it's been fun you know internet radio or internet shows is awesome you know and um i'll be doing it probably for many years to come for sure whether it's for spinalpedia or i'll do my own maybe one day i love to cook it's one thing that i know i haven't really talked about with you guys that much but one of the things that i really enjoy when i'm not working and doing work stuff is just going in my kitchen that's accessible and cooking. And, you know, uh, it's one of those things that I love. And so my hands, you know, don't work the greatest because I'm a C6 quad and, you know, they're bent. And so I have to you know, use my hands to move them around to do things, but I can make a lot of things. And it's really fun. I love to cook for my fiance or just for my PCAs or just for me. And um, I'm always researching recipes and I love to give advice. So I might start doing like videos. That's a great podcast just, idea. Or, or, or a just, video. You know, yeah, how or to just show idea. myself cooking, yeah. you know? I don't know. Yeah, no, awesome. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, I think that that about wraps us up here. I think we're at time. So uh, again, Tiffany, thank you so much for joining yes. us. Thank you for being thank you. willing to be our episode, episode two guests. And um, as as always, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you check out the links in the description. We're going to make sure we throw a link to her podcast, Life After Paralysis, down there, as well as a link to Spinalpedia, where she's currently the executive director. So uh, make sure you guys check those out. Maybe hit the subscribe button when you're down there. And uh, if you're listening to us on podcast platforms, you can always give us a follow. Rich, thank you, as always, for thank being you. my astute guest. And Tiffany... 
honestly, we uh, we we couldn't thank you more for for participating in this. It was an absolute blast. Well, thank you. We appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me, and congratulations on your new podcast. And I can't wait to see all your new other episodes that you come out awesome. with. Awesome. Right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Stephanie.